0: and blessings to you. My name is Siri B. I am the Entree Musician and so are you. And so is this this gentleman sitting to the left of your screen. He is none other than Entree Musician extraordinaire from the great big huge state of Texas. That's Vale Lewis over there who has done just about everything. So you know what? He's done just about everything. We're gonna have to talk about just about everything. Vail, what's happening, brother? How you doing? Man? I'm doing good, man.
1: What's happening? I don't know if we've got enough time to cover all of that <laughs> today. <laughs> well, you shouldn't man, have been so busy. Been... Yeah, I know. And I think I think about this every morning when I get up and say prayers. You know, to thank God that I have the the life that I have, uh, yeah. the strength that I have in my body to be able to continue getting through the day. Because He's just poured out so many blessings on me. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I have to ask for his help to keep up. (laughs) It's been amazing. Don't I I know know it? Yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, um, gosh, uh, since you and I last talked, um, I've been working on new projects, and they're uh, coming to fruition, actually, right now. Yeah. Um, One single that I'm working on with a good friend, uh, Michael Garvin, guitarist, Um, Michael's got a just a stellar history of uh, music hits that he's done with uh, George Benson uh, guys with Jennifer Lopez and I mean his list continues with Mm. uh, with a lot of country-western artists as well that he's written for and uh, now we've kind of teamed up to work on a project together so um, we're starting off with a single which he's actually helping me um, as far as some of the pre-production work uh, as of last night. I know he's with my engineer probably right now as we speak, just to uh, fine tune a couple things. And uh, mastering is set and ready to go as soon as that's done. So we can forward the WAV file, as you know how that works with mastering, and get that done. And meanwhile, I've got another single ready to go as well. And and that's coming, uh, like I say, as soon as we get this one done, so I can just relieve my hands of it and then get back to this one. And uh, that one's going to be exciting as well, doing Mm -hmm. that one with uh, Mr. Larry Braggs. Uh, Larry's uh, very well known in the industry as well, primarily in the smooth jazz markets. Mm -hmm. And uh, his uh, tenure with the uh, power group Tower Power. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
1: He's been with them for, I think, 14 years before he moved to The Temptations. So uh, he's putting his vocal prowess on the uh, single that we're doing. And uh, I mean, it's just amazing to hear these songs. I can't wait to get them out.
0: I but, know that's right. Well, yeah. you've done so much. I mean, you know, you yourself, three-time uh, Grammy nominee, uh, you know, your music going way back to the Fresh Prince and uh, the Sopranos, you know, having your music uh, placed there, touring with uh, Dion Warwick. Uh, three yeah. years. I mean, you've just like done it all. I need to ask you, with regard to your much storied career, man, what has music taught you? Wow. It has taught me basically how
1: to coordinate activities in music and in life in general.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, primarily because, uh, you know, traveling on the road makes you think on your feet because things happen all the time that you're not expecting yes um also uh getting used to uh being up late at night um getting a couple hours sleep jump up in the morning you got to be ready with your bags packed they got to be outside the door at 4 a.m you better be downstairs at 5 to get on the bus to get to the airport and i mean just Living like that for years, day in and day out, Mm -hmm. makes your mind really focus on what it is that you're doing and how important it is for you to be coordinated with your life activities that you can be on time, be at rehearsals, be a sound check and just do everything that is required uh, to be a professional musician.
2: Yeah.
1: And then that continues as you know, when you leave from being part of a tour to moving into your own independency of you know managing a label, managing a publishing company, mm-hmm. now I'm managing a music foundation and, mm-hmm. that I founded. And I've also got another uh, for-profit corporation, uh, which helps artists from a coaching standpoint to be able to prepare them for their career. It's, it's a, bounce, a balancing act, bouncing balls going on all, all the time. So Absolutely. it's taught me uh, business prowess as well. Uh, a lot of people don't know that I, uh, you know, while I was doing music, basically since I was in my teens, mm-hmm. moving into adulthood, I actually worked uh, in corporate America for various companies in the high tech arena Mm -hmm. Uh, computer products, distributors, and uh, worked in the capacity of uh, credit administrator, accounting manager, director of credit, and just moved up the ladder. Mm -hmm. And uh, managing, gosh, I think at one point I was uh, in charge of uh, about 24 branch locations of a $550 million uh, computer uh, company.
0: Now, so, was this in the, was this while you were doing music or did you step out of? I that was still
1: and- still I was a songwriter for a uh, music uh, production company in LA at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called LA Post Music, and this is where we were writing uh, buffers and uh, music for uh, the fresh prints for the Sopranos and you know, things yeah. of that nature, which it didn't require me to be out on the road. I could do that stuff at home. Sure. So um, that was nice to be able to do that while I was working and then have that residual income as well from, mm-hmm. you know, royalties coming in from the um, productions being out there on TV and so forth. So, yeah, it's...
0: Well, when you uh, were touring with uh, Dion, were you uh, one of the background singers? Because you are a very uh, heavy duty singer, but you were doing keyboard, directly keyboard. So, what drew you when you began your solo career? What drew you to the organ? Um, I mean, you you are just as much of uh, Jimmy Smith and uh, <laughs> Jack McDuff <laughs> and uh, Joey D. Francisco and Charles Erlin. I can go down the line for. Uh, you know, for the uh, jazz organists that are out there, but was there something particular? Because you're just as fresh on on synthesizer and piano as well. So why well, did you I, say, this is my voice?
1: I started out on organ. Mm. Um, actually, prior to that, I was playing flute. And flute didn't work well with me because uh, when I was a young boy, I think probably uh, you know, three, four or five years old, I was dealing with asthma problems. Mm. And I think that lingered on until I picked up the flute when I was about nine years old and tried to get the breathing control. It it wasn't working. So after about a year of trying to do that, um, the teacher physically snatched the flute out of my hand Mm. (laughs) in the class and said, you weren't practicing this. Yeah, you're right. Well, you better pick another instrument. And and I immediately thought of a guy that was in my class at that time. I guess I was probably fifth grade. And he used to play the organ that was in our music room. And it was just so much fun to watch him play because he's just bouncing and he's smiling and just moving feet, hands going at the same time. I said, wow, that looks fun. I think I'm gonna try that. So I started taking um, private piano lessons on sat or organ lessons on Saturdays where I would have to uh, get up in the morning, catch a bus downtown Philadelphia. Go to a, a high school there, Ben Franklin High, and have my organ training done, which usually lasted about an hour and a half mm-hmm. with a teacher. And her it. it's, it's funny how you remember your teachers as you grow up as well. The names you never forget it.
2: Exactly.
1: Uh, I was just talking to some of my students about that the other day. Her name was uh, Doctor Virginia Goss, mm-hmm. and she uh, taught me about styles of music and how to move away from the uh, particular system I was using called the pointer system to learn how to play organ Mm -hmm. and then develop my own style. Um, I wasn't able to do that at that point, but then I needed to get another organ because I was renting the one that I had at home, went to a music store downtown, met the salesman. Salesman took a liking to me and said, you know what, I'll teach him and uh, I want him to have this particular organ. The organ turned out to be one of the first organs ever built by the Hammond Organ Company. Is that
0: right? In 1939,
1: wow. it was demonstrated at the uh, 1939 uh, World's Fair. And uh, it was called an A1. It was the predecessor to the B3 model, which we you know, we all hear so much about and see on TV and so mm-hmm. forth. But uh, I brought that big monster home and sat it in the front living room and played as as much as I could. And I was getting lessons from the same salesman for about, oh, maybe two years. Mm. uh, Playing in the showroom there at the store uh, for the holidays and so forth, you know, just to attract people as they walk by. Yeah. So I, I took a liking to that because it was fun to see people watching me having fun.
0: Like you were watching the guy at school.
1: Exactly. Right. So uh then I shifted to another teacher, uh Dr. E. Woodley Kalehoff, uh who was recommended by the salesperson to uh, get training from, and I studied under him for about six years. Mm. And until it, one day he just looked at me and said, you know what? I've taught you everything I can teach you. I can't teach you anymore. You're going to have to figure out the rest on your own. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> no, please don't. Ronald, do that. He's like, no, well, this is it. <laughs> wow. So it was like live, hanging you out on a limb, you know? <laughs> okay, you better figure out how to jump. You know?
0: <laughs> now, so, were you listening to those guys or were you listening to the Jimmy Smiths, the Charles? Yeah,
1: I had, I had. I was fortunate because my dad, was a jazz bar. Hmm. Um, but you wouldn't really know it unless you were around the house on Sundays. I see. Every Sunday he would go over to the console that we had. He used to work for RCA, so we had pretty much all the good stuff as it came out. Yeah. And we had a you know nice stereo with a record player and big speakers on it. And, you know, it looked like a big piece of furniture. Yeah. And he would just play oh god, Shirley Scott albums. Uh Uh, Jimmy Smith albums, uh, Mm. Earl Garner, uh, Earl Grant, Mm. and all these really, you know, famous keyboardists, pianists and organists. Uh, Herbie Mann was also in the part of the collection he had. So I'm Mm -hmm. listening to jazz every Sunday. Sure. And then I started figuring out, well, I should try to see if I can cop that. So I'd go over on the on the organ while he's playing his records and see if I can catch this little lick that Charlie did it. And let me see check the drawbar registration, see if I can match that sound that's on there. You know, and the, a lot of experimentation I was doing and it worked.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: As uh, later on, uh, as I grew into playing organ and traveling, I learned to use those same drawbar registrations that Jimmy Smith and everybody was using mm-hmm. to mix into the bands that I was touring
0: with. And so when for- you were touring, you were touring with the big A1?
1: <laughs> yes. Oh, <okay. laughs> there are a lot of stories that go over that, because that was <laughs> in a group called The Futures. We had a six-member band mm-hmm. with uh, five um, singers, lead singers, which th- their style was more or less like The Temptations. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had the five tier microphone at first, and then they went to single uh, mic stands. uh, Choreography all over it, the whole entire show, even in between songs that there were certain movements that had to happen and what they would do. And, you know, we'd be watching and we would kind of blend in with what they were doing. So we had a complete show. Yeah. At the end of the show, they all would look at me and say, you know, you need to figure out what to do with this organ. We got to help you take it home now. You know? So they would, get, they would get mad at me. They're like, OK, well, you know, all right, we know we got to do this. So we got to load it up in the van. So we got to carry it off the stage now, set it down. And we always had this expression, it ain't nothing but a baby. It ain't number but a baby. <laughs> All right, y'all ready? Yeah, ain't nobody baby. Okay, we got it. <laughs> Lift it up and struggling. Take it to the to. The, uh, we had these Econoline vans where we would put it in the back, you know, and uh, take it home. But uh, we that's did it for a few years
2: That's until amazing.
1: one time we were doing a show after hours after a you know show we did at a club, and uh, we were told that we were going to do a speakeasy. I was like, oh. Okay, good. You know, more money. So we went to this house, and this was all in Philly, too, and had to carry this organ up a flight of steep steps. Mm -hmm. It was, I would think, probably 25, 30 steps. Narrow steps. No baby, no more. (laughs) The the organ slid while we were trying to go up up the steps. One of the, the guys up front, his feet slipped off the steps. I thought I was gonna have a heart attack that night. <laughs> I just knew that organ was coming down on top of us all and just, you know, explode, just going to pieces. Yeah. But we caught it, managed to reset ourselves, get back up steps. Then we had to go lift it up over top of the banister that was on the first floor. My of God. course we thought about just you know tying a rope to it and just hanging out the window <laughs> from <laughs> so uh, eventually I was really glad that Hammond Organ Company came out with a portable organ. hmm It was called the Porta B.
0: The Porta B. Now did that precede the B3 as well? No, uh no. B three was already manufactured. I see. But it was an
1: alternative for musicians that traveled. Yes. And uh Even though it was portable, it was still a little awkward to carry because you had two pieces. Basically, you lift the top up, and then the bottom part where the pedals were were was where the amp was. Then you had to fold the legs down, and you could carry it, but uh, it was rough.
0: I can imagine. Now, what I wanted to ask you about organ playing, uh, you know, obviously— uh, before getting into jazz, you know, my first exposure to obviously listening to organ uh, began in church, obviously. Sure. And, uh, you know, just the personality of the things that organists would do juxtaposed against the piano, was mm-hmm. holding down the chords, making sure the choir was on point, and the organist usually having that grit underneath uh, everything that was going on, but do you have to be naturally ambidextrous to play, you know, the organ or is that something that comes with the training with every, I mean, cause you're constantly moving, you're you're doing the bass with the foot, you know,
1: how is that? I would would think that you have to eventually learn it, that you have to learn the pedals. Mm -hmm which requires usually one foot, but then you start incorporating the second foot. When you incorporate the second foot, you need to be able to move from the volume pedal to the the right foot to get other uh, pedal notes that you need. Absolutely. And you're still managing both hands. So I'm just going to speak for myself. Um, Again, fortunate and blessings from God that my dad was left handed. My mom was right handed. Uh-huh. I ended up with both. <laughs> so I even to this day, I play sports with my left hand dribbling, throwing baseballs, you know, but I eat and write with my right hand.
2: Wow. So
1: maybe that helped. I don't know. Um, yeah. But, you know, as I talk to other organists and teachers that I've worked with, they don't have that. Type of balance between left and right hand, so it has to be that I would think again, it, you know, just my opinion that they probably learned it yeah. on being able to be
0: coordinated between legs and hands.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, well, um, Joey D. Francisco, and I'm trying to think of the song. Um, this is some years back, but honestly, you know, he had a trio out, and it was just drummer and guitarist, and he was killing the bass. Mm-hmm. The base. Oh my God! What you know? Mm-hmm. You thinking? Wait a minute! You know it's not Jaco Pastorius up there at all, and he's right. just rolling with it. So I'm just imagining all of the training and all of the discipline that it takes to keep that on point, and still you want to hit the drawbars for the different t- timbers that you want to create in EQ, and it's just amazing. You guys are like a mad scientist. There, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I do want to ask, though, with respect to your being such an accomplished singer as well, do you prefer one over the other? Uh, or, it you know, it's just all in the stew that is Vale Lewis.
1: Exactly. It's all in the stew. It just depends on what's needed and what I'm doing. Mm. I tend to fall back on vocal and prefer instrumental. Mm, I see. Only because... Uh, um, I guess, you know, during writing, I try to do a little of both, but it just, I do it as it comes. So for example, I may write a song, like I was just saying with Larry Braggs, Um, I had intended it to be for a female voice, Mm -hmm. but in a different key. Then later on, I said, well, what if I was to try to sing it myself? I'll change the key into something that I'm comfortable with. Yes. And I practiced around with it a few times uh, over guys Months, and I said, "Well, I could probably deliver, but I'm—I got a feeling I can probably find somebody that'll do it better than I am, because mm-hmm. I'm—I I know I'm. Nobody's perfect, yes, you sir. know. So I'll uh, just put it out there and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. So I tried a couple female voices. Uh, they didn't seem too comfortable with the range because the vocal part throughout the song does go from a lower. Uh, registered to a higher register and and not every female vocalist wants to do that they like to be you know just in their mid range and uh, I understand that so I said well let me just try somebody else so I found again a voice that was similar to mine but had the range and the control Mm -hmm. on a better level than I do and um, I said well hey Larry go for it and see what you can do with it and of course he delivered so
0: That's that's all right. You know, that's that's being a great producer too. Um, Yeah, exactly knowing what your personal, especially if the producer is the musician, knowing what your strengths and your challenges are and not letting your own ego get in the way because my name is on the album. You know, exactly
1: that
0: that, that, that's part for the course. Now, you had mentioned the uh, the futures and, you know, those formative years of uh, Mm -hmm. picking up that big baby. Right. you had to do. Uh, when was your first recording? Um, did, that, did that happen with another band or did it happen after you left the road with Dion? Or?
1: That was actually with the Futures. Um, we see, had the band, again, we all worked as a unit. Mm-hmm. So when it came to that point where we saw that it was time for us to break away and do our own thing as a band group, Again, because we were working with a group that did choreography, we had our own cho- choreography too. Mm-hmm. And we would open up the show for the singers. So we decided we needed to take that and you know just exploit it. And that's like
0: Parliament Funkadelic. Exactly. <laughs> you know, same, same concept.
1: Right. So we said, well, uh, you know, we need some songs. And I had already started writing some of my own songs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I got together with a drummer and the guitarist, and uh, this was in 1974. And we came out with a song that I co-wrote with the drummer. The guitarist uh, did the vocal track with me, so we'd split it up in parts. Yeah, And uh, I sang the opening lead, and he took the second verse, and then we, the same thing for you know, the uh, repeat part later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did that while I was actually doing uh, gospel sessions with various gospel groups, uh, gospel airs, the Dixie Hummingbirds, oh, yeah. Sensational Nightingales, and those are my early days. And I was still in high school. Yeah. So uh, yeah. all of the band members, pretty much all of them, I would say the uh, drummer, the uh, bassist, guitarist, uh, and percussionist, we all went to the same high school together. Mm-hmm. So. It was uh, more of a camaraderie for us to get together and you know, actually put this on together.
2: Yeah.
1: When we got in the studio and recorded it, which happened to be a studio that I was already working with, with the gospel recessions, the engineer heard it and he said, you know, I, I had a feeling that you guys were going to come in here and just smoke it. And then this song is smoking. So it was called tell me why.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, he said he wanted to let someone hear it after he did the mix on it. I said, all right, fine. So he called up a friend of his in California and this guy turned out to be Bobby Womack's road manager. Mm -hmm. He liked what he heard. He said, okay, I have got some friends. I'm gonna make some phone calls to." So he ended up calling Warner Brothers. And at the time the Reprise record label was signing acts. Uh, Reprise uh, was owned by Frank Sinatra. Mm
0: -hmm. That is correct.
1: Yep. So um we ended up getting a deal on that label. Wow. And that song um was aired on American Bandstand with Dick Clark and was shown as the pick of the week. Wow. And it happened, I didn't know it. I just happened to be looking at TV, looking at American Bandstand on that day. <laughs> um as you can imagine, you know, just sitting there as a young kid and all of a sudden seeing this name come up on the board that they used to put the number, the names of the songs. The pick of the week is, and, you know, these two uh, uh, dancers would come up and put these letters on. And I said, tell me why. And then I started hearing the song play. <gasps> mom, mom, I'm screaming in the house. You're like, what? You need to see this. Look, look. <laughs> wow. So that was, yeah, that was that was a highlight. And. uh The song ended up being a major hit in the UK, Um, dance hit in the uh, Northern Soul Movement. Mm. Heard back in the uh, mid to late 70s. And even to this day, it's been uh, remastered by Warner Brothers UK, I think two or three times on different compilation albums.
0: That's a wonderful story, man. Yeah, that's excellent. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I asked you earlier what uh, what music had taught you and, uh, you know, in in your uh, answer and in your response, you said that you were part of the corporate world as well. Uh, So since you've walked both sides of the fence, what has the music business taught you? Or maybe did you learn something in the corporate world that you brought to the music business? of Vail Lewis and says, okay, I can learn from this, or are they so separate that, um, I mean, you know, not not in, in not in respect to the corporate structure, but the principles, the values, the, you know, the attitude that it takes to be that entree musician mm-hmm. apply the business principles. Are there some lessons that you've learned from the music business?
1: Uh, vice versa, just as you put it, um, from the corporate world. Mm. I actually, uh, Started working for the school district of Philadelphia uh, right after I finished touring with the Delphonic. At that point in my life, I think I was just more or less having fun and looking at life as being fun, playing music, enjoyed music, liked to listen to it. You know, I was always listening to different music uh, artists and so forth, and I kind of knew who the hits would, would be just from hearing it. But I didn't have a business sense at that point. So once I started working in uh, schools, working with students, uh, I was a reading aid, which was my first uh, job in the school district. Still, it took a while for any kind of business sense to actually come into my mind. And um, I'm sorry about this thing. This is- Good. Yeah. This- coming from notifications, I didn't get a chance to throw some headphones on.
0: Good. Okay,
1: good. <laughs> but um, after working for the school district for five years and I moved out to California, I had to get a job right away. So once that happened, then I started learning more about how business principles, running a business, um, handling day-to-day activities, How important those things are and how I can utilize what I'm learning while I'm working for a company with the music business once things started really rolling. Certainly. So at the time, as I mentioned, I was a songwriter for um, L.A. Post Music, writing songs for TV while I was working, but I was also performing every now and then. So the performance turned out again to be more just fun and getting together with the band and playing. Yeah. But then after the show was over, my mind went back into, okay, so what am I gonna do with this now? I I I gotta put some songs together. I gotta make sure if I'm gonna do a song of my own, they have to be copywritten because I've mm-hmm. already lost a couple songs not knowing that. Right. Once the copyright is done, I need to get a publishing company together too, because I need to be able to control money that's going to be generated from this. Certainly. So these things again, in business, seeing how uh, you know vice presidents and managers and directors in corporate world manage a a business operation. that's right. And then, as I moved up into the business and actually had that kind of responsibility on my own shoulders, and I knew, okay, yeah, I I know what has to be done now. This is going to require me to be getting up in the morning early, just like I've been doing. Mm-hmm. And then once I'm up, I got a schedule, and I just keep a calendar. Of whatever I got to do, I got certain tasks that have to be you know fulfilled. And yeah. to this day, I I work the same way. Yeah. So I'm just. Really glad that I was able to uh, learn from my experiences in the corporate world
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, you know be able to uh, utilize them with music so that it's become more of a successful business for me now
0: absolutely and, you
1: know I talked to a lot of musicians about this as well that you really need to take some time to understand the business
0: side of things that's that's absolutely right, and that's why. You know, the entree musician exists. Uh, it was the same thing. I was a drummer in a band, and uh, it seems like, you know, after the performances, things kind of naturally fail to me. I, you know, I've mm-hmm. never worked in, in corporate America. We're, we're teenagers trying to do this, but somebody needs to call to book the next gig. Somebody needs to think about these original songs that we're playing in, quote unquote, sock hops. And what, you know, what's, what's, you know, how seriously are we taking this? I begin my first business book I read was Kenny Rogers and Lynn Eppen called Mm -hmm. Making It With Music. And, uh, you know, just trying to And this the first time I've heard about copywriting and publishing and all of these things. And I guess the entree musician has been in my spirit for a long time, but it wasn't until about 20 years later, Dave Ramsey wrote a book called The Entree Leader." And uh, many of the principles and, you know, budgeting and how I thought, man, this all applies to musicians and artists that I know. And right. uh, we began talking about the possibility of putting this together. And now it's a growing community. And I'm glad that you are part of it, man, because uh, you've had the entree musician in you. <laughs> right. For the longest time. And I want to I want to talk about uh, something else that you're doing because. Well, let me just say this, because you said getting up in the morning. So there's two of you because there is that creative genius in you that realizes that the music has to be made, has to be created, the product. But then there's that other you that gets up in the morning and says, "Okay, what needs to be done as far as my business is concerned? Right. But um, we've been embarking on a series uh, called Raising Your Voice for the Entree Musician because your music is not just about entertainment. And you've put together this wonder, wonderful foundation called F2F. And I wanna talk about that a little bit, what it means in the underlying way that Vale Lewis is using his voice as an right. entrepreneur.
1: Well, as I mentioned, I used, I've been working with young people, uh, gosh, I think since 73, when I started working for the school district in Philadelphia. Uh, till 78, and I was started off in Title I schools and reading aid, as a reading aid, working with students of second, third, and fourth grade. Then uh, the next year, and I would get assignments from the administration office, you know, well, okay, you'll be here this year, next year we need you at this school. So I was shifted around uh, through various schools and different grades, and ended up in an uh, alternative school where I had seventh, eighth, and ninth graders. Uh, for that particular year, teaching reading, um, uh, math, and um, English skills,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, having outside experiences while I'm working in these particular schools. I'm mean, in different sections of the city. Yeah, um, That one particular school that just so happens, since this is Black History Month, that uh, we talk about things that happen, uh, you know in the Black communities, that there was an organization back then called MOVE, M-O-V-E. And they were more of a back to Africa type uh, group. Mm-hmm. And um, there's it, it was, it was a big story behind that, um, which I won't go into right now, but if you look, look it up, you'll see that there's videos and everything about these folks. And I used to see them while I would go to school mm-hmm. and then also had to make sure that I could keep control on the kids, not getting you know, interfacing with these folks out out there in in the community and keep them focused on their schoolwork and also on their uh, upward uh, progress to move on to uh, high school. Then uh, had a short uh, experience with high school students, but all of this let me see how kids in the community can lose opportunities if they're not focused on what it is that they really want to do in life. And a a lot of those um, interferences come from the community, from the home. And I noticed how if I interject with students and give them opportunities to have something to look forward to, that it creates a bond with them, which can be a lifetime thing. And it's also very rewarding to me as well to be able to help them. So uh, a couple of years ago, once I moved here to Houston, I decided, you know, I I need to figure out a way to give back what I experienced because someone helped me when I was in high school. Uh, Turned out to be Stevie Wonder's business manager that just came to my uh, school classroom and took me out to play uh, a music show with uh, Jerry Brown, who uh, was a drummer with uh, Chick Corea and Stanley Clark on the School Days album. And Mm -hmm. and since then, he's been playing with Diana Ross and uh, Lionel Richie and Stevie Wonder, I mean, just doing it. And that's Uh, Jerry with a G. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And... uh, John Lee was the bassist who um, now is uh, running the dizzy Gillespie uh, jazz uh, ensemble tours um, having that kind of opportunity where someone just finds out about you and then puts you into a situation where the career blossomed into what I have now said I can do that with with students too and help them in a way where I can give them some direction, some uh, focus on where they could have a career if they want to be in music. And then I saw the benefits of music as well and how it can help
0: Yeah,
1: from an academic standpoint. Uh, it helps with concentration, with focus, because mm-hmm. uh, there is math involved with Absolutely. music. Great. And also uh, it falls in line with some of the STEM um programs that are out there with, uh, high schools and colleges now, which is very rewarding as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, F2F that acronym actually stands for faith to form. Mm-hmm. And that was a dream that I got maybe at three o'clock in the morning. And I knew it was God talking to me mm-hmm. because, um, I know my own voice. And that wasn't my voice that I was hearing. <laughs> <That> was <good. laughs> yeah. And it's, it startled me, which is why I woke up and sat on the side of the bed and I said, what is this name faith to form? What, what are you telling me, Lord? And I needed a name for the organization. Uh, there's another friend of mine who's uh I think she might still be the secretary for the Texas Black Music Educators Association. Mm -hmm. She was the one that put the seed out there and said, you know, you might want to think about doing a nonprofit uh, organization to help kids if you want to do that. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'll help you. I said, okay, great. So we had pretty much done all the templates to get everything in place to file our paperwork. And this name came up. So as I asked the Lord, so what what, what does this mean? I started getting sentences. Faith to form young leaders of tomorrow. Hmm. Faith to form upward mobility for students who don't have access, who need help. Uh, Faith to form uh, musicians that can take the place of other musicians that are leaving us, like Luther Vandross and George Duke and so many others that have passed away. Certainly. I said, you know what? That works. I like that. Thank you. So I just put the name out there, filed it. And I said, you know, we'll use the Ackerman um, you know, F and then the number two and then the letter F. And you see it here on my T-shirt, of course. you know, yeah. We now have a, a logo gear mm-hmm. store online uh, to help raise money for the foundation. Uh, we are 501c3 mm-hmm. and uh, set to be able to be a public charitable
0: yes.
1: organization. Uh, but I want to focus on the performing arts Mm -hmm. and music primarily to uh, help students, young musicians, music students, have some way of making a a career for themselves because no one else is actually stepping down that I've seen. Uh, There's a few, I take that back. There's a few musicians, friends of mine actually, who are doing something similar, but um, to be able to, uh, again, you know, go into an environment, whether it be in the community or into a school and say, um, Hey, you know, you playing trumpet or trombone, you know, is this something you want to do for the rest of your life with, you know, if you do, maybe I can help you. I can, you know, give you some, um, some advice, some direction, uh, maybe, you know, provide some opportunities that would help you. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's been really nice to, see things starting to grow and develop as they have now. So that, we have uh, different programs, uh, instrument fund program, where we help students that, uh, whose families can't afford to buy an instrument. We help them get instruments.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: we partnered with the instrument manufacturing company. Um, they are, they've been very helpful in working with us. Uh, we now have a couple banks that are supporting us as well. A uh, local TV station here is supporting us. Mm -hmm. And uh, the school district, uh, Fort Bend Independent School District, uh, has been very helpful. We're about to launch our music workshop program and clinics in uh, middle schools and high schools. That should take place in the next couple of weeks. And uh, we've been doing a jazz improvisation summer camp. We ran one this past July. We've got another one scheduled to do in conjunction with uh, Houston Community College this coming year. Uh, university of Charleston, West Virginia has been participating as well. The director of bands is a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. He's been doing the Zoom workshops with sure. us over the last uh, November and December, we did too. And we're making plans to be able to help students that may want to go on to a university mm-hmm. that they'll have the opportunity as being an F2F Music Foundation student to be able to do an audition for that university. Yeah. And if they pass the audition, they get entrance into the university and the possibility of getting a scholarship. Wow, I and uh, I think scholarships are starting at ten thousand dollars. So it's, it's it's a really good thing to uh, see now that I'm able to help, and that's pretty much what I wanted to do. So uh, yeah, excited mm-hmm. about
0: this. That's absolutely beautiful, and and not just with uh, Charleston. You see. Uh, Um, the future having different chapters opening up across the United States and abroad?
1: Yeah, we're actually uh, ready to expand now. I've been uh, working uh, with one of my board members, Paula Atherton. She's a national recording artist, a saxophonist. Uh, to expand through uh, East Coast now. So we've got a presence because of her living in New York City
2: excellent in
1: that area, uh, into New Jersey. Uh, other artists in that area that she knows are starting to participate as well. That's yes, excellent. Uh, yeah. So just having the exposure, the kids are also coming from those areas. Um, I'm about to reach out to California as well because my brother's a drummer. So he's going to be on one of my uh, podcast shows in the next
0: few weeks. Very uh, cool. So there's a lot going on. <laughs> that's that's why I said at the beginning of this conversation that you've done everything, you're doing everything. So <laughs> we're trying to touch a little bit on all that. But no, that's that's wonderful because one of the um, uh, very unfortunate things that are happening in public schools uh, specifically uh, is the lack of music education programs yeah. and, or, you know... Um, because the music is changing so much for electronic music DAWs, uh, even drum machines and whatnot, you know uh, is not the same as when I was going to school, when you were going to school and there was an actual trumpet, this is a right. trumpet. This right. is a saxophone, um, you know, and um, there was a, a jazz musician who was coming around this area. I'm in the Youngstown area, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and our, you know, in between, stuck kind of in 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 the middle of both of those major cities, but in this area, Akron, Warren, Youngstown, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen the depletion of uh, really great music programs Mm. uh, other than, you know, on the sports side, if you know, for the marching bands but really critical listening sessions. And again, we, it seems in my formative years and I know I'm showing my age or telling my age but we did have uh, that commitment to making sure that that young musician uh, was able to nurture their passion while increasing the technical aspect of their instrument. Mm It's hoping hope, hope yeah it is absolutely important and hoping that that comes back soon so perhaps F2F may one day have a presence uh in northeastern ohio area as well
1: well let's definitely talk about it cuz we're we're available to uh, expand like i say i'm building a coalition right now with other nonprofit organizations that are focused on music
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, also uh we have some guests that are uh going to appear as uh you know, on on the podcast show that uh, F2F has now um, in the next couple of weeks uh, because of a book that has been published on New Year's Eve that contains a story about how F2F helped a young 10-year-old student, music student, obtain his own trombone because he mm-hmm. didn't have one. His, his uh, grandmother actually reached out to me to see if there was a way to get a scholarship for her grandson or Someone to be able to help, and we managed to, you know, work together with the uh, instrument manufacturing company I was talking about, FE Olds in New Jersey, to help us out to get a trombone for him. The next
0: Fred Wesley, (laughs) Wayne, (laughs) yes, Wayne Henderson, (laughs) coming. That's great. Yeah, so we're we're doing
1: more of that, and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing these students, you know, achieve better goals now that they've been given an instrument that will help them increase their musical taste and mm-hmm. exposure to music but also to help them like as I mentioned and from an academic standpoint so yes. that the grade level goes up because of you know the concentration that's involved that with music that helps mm-hmm. concentration with academic skills and so forth so that's uh, right. Some of these students, I've just got a message last night that uh, one that I helped also get a trombone. He said, hey, he said, well, I'm, I'm about to audition for, uh, you know, these particular colleges and universities. I said, wow. And he said, I'm using this trombone that you gave me. All right. <laughs> you know, you go, man. Let me know if you need some help, you know, so. Oh, yeah. Well,
0: that's, that's absolutely excellent. Well, you yeah. said also that, uh, you know, that's uh, F2F, is the nonprofit, but you also have a for-profit uh, corporation that, uh, that that deals with music as well. You wanna talk about that for a minute?
1: Yeah, it's called Color Sound LLC. It's a limited liability company. And uh, it's been more or less uh, my cataloging company where um, all of my music that I've written over the years um, is more or less housed and protected through uh, the publishing company that's uh, called Lewis Color Sound. And uh, right now I've got two students that are honing their skills more or less. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're both vocalists, uh, females. One in particular, uh, she just turned 18 a few days ago, Mm -hmm. has already recorded her first single with a producer who's a Grammy award-winning producer. Uh, She's working out of Mexico right now.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And uh, I see nothing but success for this girl because when I listened to her single and noticed how her uh, producer had put it together with the full orchestra behind her and some of the uh, special effects that he used within the song. It just so happened, I'm a voting member with the Grammy um, organization too, mm-hmm. with uh, NARIS. And I was listening and doing voting at the time that she sent me the link. And she said, uh, Mr. Lewis, I'd like for you to listen to my new single. Uh, we just finished the final mix on it. And I said, Oh, wow, okay. So I'm listening to quality music that I have to vote on, and then listening to her single. And I said, The quality is the same almost. I'm like, gosh, I said, this single is going to take off, girl. I'm telling you. She said, really? You think so? Yes, indeed. So before we go any further, I said, I can introduce you to some people. I'll I'll send it out. But did you take care of your copyright yet? Her dad's an attorney, so he's already put a lot of paperwork and everything together. I said, that's Mm -hmm. great. But when you turn 18, since I knew it was coming in a couple of weeks, sure, you sure. go to the copyright.gov website and put your copyright in there. Mm-hmm. Make sure that your producers are aware because they need to file for the sound recording part That's of correct. it, but just get your writer's credit in place because then you need to get your um, uh, publishing rights in place. Right since you've written the song you can register with a company like ASCAP or BMI Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're receiving your royalties as the song gets played wherever i want to have it on spotify and i'm going to have it on that's what i'm talking about you need to make sure that if you do that that you are getting your money there's also another company that's going to handle your streaming so certainly i'll direct you in all these areas where you need to go but uh yeah you you're ready so uh, yeah the other girl actually just put out her song too. Um her name is Autumn Green. She's got an album that's out there on iTunes right now. So I'm uh, coaching her and uh with her mom. Yeah. Um she kind of took a hiatus for a little bit because she's uh, also working a job so I had to give her some time to get her personal life together. Right. But uh she's there ready to go so uh yeah, like I said, you know, can find these artists. Uh well, especially Autumn. She's already out there. Mm-hmm. And uh then the other artist I was just talking about, her name is Jamili. And
0: uh, she'll be out there on the market soon. So that's excellent. We heard it here first. Yeah, exactly. The <laughs> story, you know, what happened behind the scenes and and by God's grace, how you're helping her to uh move forward. That's That's absolutely excellent, man. I knew this was going to be a wonderful conversation. Uh, We first met maybe three, four years ago on another radio show and, uh, you know, just uh, haven't kept in touch like on the regular, but always seemed that when we do uh, run into each other online or what have you, you know, uh, be able to pick it up where we left off. And so I'm really grateful, man, for who you are, for your spirit, for your generosity, for your personality, man, but also for your artistry. Uh, Thank really you. love me some Vail Lewis. Um, you know, always digging the many performance clips that you have on YouTube and abroad, you know, the montage that you have on your website. And Thanks. people can get in touch with you at VailLewis.com. Dot com. That's right. Uh, but I'm also going to make sure that they know how to reach out to F2F as well. Now, I'm sure that there was a question that you thought, you know, I know Jerry's gonna ask me this question. <laughs> I haven't asked it. Can you answer that unasked question right now about yourself or your career, your life? Hmm. The
1: unasked question. I've been thinking about writing a book. Hmm. Um my wife has talked to me about it a few times. I've been thinking, and maybe I might not have the time to sit down and write a book. But uh, I'll keep that in the back of my mind and uh, start just writing some stuff here and there, just so uh, you know. When it comes to that point, that I've got it written out. Yeah. But um, from a life do you have a title? Like
0: do you have a title for the unpublished book yet? No. So, not yet. so you know, and I know you do this all the time with music ideas. You can just you know record. Uh, your your memories, your excerpts, and then have someone else transcribe it.
1: That's what I know. There was a publicist that I've worked with before. She mentioned the same thing. She said, mm-hmm. you know, you just get your voice recorder and you can just record your story.
0: Yeah.
1: I said, yeah, I will. But when I find the time. <laughs> 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 My time is so limited, I can barely sleep these days. <laughs> But it'll it'll pan out, because like you say, once I get things rolling with the Music Foundation, which we're almost at that point now where I can start bringing on volunteers and employees and so forth. Once we get the funding in place, you know, and uh, I'm always reaching out for donations. You can always go to our website. It's Mm f2fmusicfoundation.org. And there's a little donate button there. You can do it uh, one time donation. You can do monthly, annually. And uh, yeah, so... uh, Yeah, we're 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 working to say just get it to a point where I can just say, okay, now it's running. I've done what I have to do. Now I can just sit back and me and the wife can enjoy our life.
0: So. You can never do that.
1: <laughs> I know uh, it's a dream. <laughs> I don't know where that
0: came from. But right.
1: you, you that said on an square unant. Unasked question. That's right, that's <laughs> what right. What do you want to do?
0: <laughs> how is Vail going to uh, retire? It'll never happen, so. Right, <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm so grateful for the time that you've given me today. Ladies My and gentlemen, this is one of the ultimate entree musicians, this is Vale Lewis. Uh, When we get that book, we can read all about the story. Obviously, we didn't go from A to Z today. He will come back on this uh, platform sometime soon and share some more of his great story and the great work that he is doing. But he is an entree musician.
1: And by the way, the name of that book is 88 More Ways Music Can Change Your Life. 88
0: More Ways That Music Can Change Your Life.
1: Yeah, there has been a previous uh, edition of the book that was called 88 Ways Music Can Change It, but now we're adding more. More. So, My Story with the Music Foundation, F2F, and others have participated now. And it's available on Amazon. So, uh, yeah, it's already out there. Excellent. uh, It's on uh, paperback and e edition.
0: Well, I will make sure that that's linked both to the uh, the uh, video channel as well as the podcast. So, Perfect. I appreciate um, it. Yeah, we, we will definitely, on our end, uh, make sure we spread the word. And you guys do the same out there, too. But that's Vail Lewis. He's an entree musician. My name is Jerry D. I am the entree musician, but you know what? So are you. We will definitely <laughs> see you next time. God bless. Amen.